Good morning, lady. Well, <laughs> I guess it may not be morning for you. It's 5.30 in the morning for me as I'm recording this. So today I wanted to finish off the miscarriage story. So I'll be talking about miscarriage too. And that really takes us up to now, to the present. And what I think I want you to walk away with today is, you know, if you are sitting in this very spot right now, or if you are a friend or support system or somebody that has gone through this, I want you to know that I do fully realize that there probably has been times or there will be times where you feel unjustified in your pain or your loss. You know, I had two early miscarriages and I somehow felt like because of they were early, whether it was just society, friends and family that didn't know what they were saying to me, or even myself in judgment and comparison, that because they were early, I shouldn't be feeling the way I'm feeling. It shouldn't feel so painful. But I want to tell you that it's a loss. It is a loss and you deserve to feel what you feel, the pain that you feel you you are allowed and you deserve to sit in that for a while. It's okay. I also want you to walk away with some trust and some faith and some belief that it's all going to get better and you're going to make it through. I promise you, you're going to make it through. So maybe you just need to talk it out. And look, girl, if you need to do that, please, and I truly mean this, get in my DMs, send me a message. Let's chat. I'm here for you. Okay. So before we hop into the episode, I want to read a review from Jennifer Ray 907. She says, I downloaded all those podcasts to listen to while working in a remote Alaska location for two weeks with no other women. I'll be honest. Even though I know everything that Sarah shares comes from a loving and inclusive heart, I was still a bit hesitant to start them because I am not yet a mom. Would I be able to relate to her or the guests? Would I be inspired as all of the other real moms listening? This podcast has comforted, intrigued, taught, and inspired me, and I'm only four episodes in. This podcast, Sarah and the Mama Inspired Community will be your new best friends. Don't spend another moment without them. Jennifer, there Thank you so much. I love that. (laughs) These just make my day. All right, guys, look, if you haven't left a review, please pause, pause the episode, hop back in in a second, but go and drop a written review. Yours could be the next one read and you will bring me so much amount of joy. All right, guys, let's hop into the episode. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone, and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf. (laughs) It's mama time. So a few months passed and we felt we felt really strong. You know, we felt like we had just made it through so much 
and we were still feeling happy and blessed and hopeful and really loving our neighborhood and our house and our community and Miles was happy. And so, you know, we were looking forward to living in our current blessing and just figuring out what this new normal was with every, along with everybody else. And so then we conceived for the third time. And this time I held on to this tidbit of information a tad bit longer than the first time because I wanted to wait until I saw Cameron in person. He travels a lot with this new job. And so I waited until we ended up meeting halfway at his brother's house in Louisiana. And my plan was really truly like when he arrived, because I got there before him, was just to give him a hug and whisper in his ear that we were pregnant. And it sort of worked out like this. Sort of not. Anyway, it was still beautiful. It was still lovely. We were both were, of course, a tad emotional and just really, really happy. And of course, just happy to be surrounded by family again in these awesome moments. When you've gone through a miscarriage, you always have this little bit of fear. But I just didn't think that it would happen again. You know, I I was healthy and I was eating well and I exercised just about daily and I took my vitamins and I was sleeping well. I talked to Miles so much more about the baby this time around. You know, we we take showers t- together and, you know, during cuddle time, you know, I would I would point to my belly and I would say, there's a baby in there. Mommy's got a baby in her belly. And his sweet, sweet face really would just get, you could just tell he was really thinking about it and he was contemplating it. And he would hug me. We celebrated his second birthday during this time and I dreamt about what it would be like next year. I imagined our new home, our baby in our new home. I imagined this just beautiful growing family in the sun near the water, happy and healthy, floating our babe around in the pool. I dreamed about, you know, the morning light shining through the living room as I nursed this new little bundle. I thought about sitting in our lanai and watching Miles love on his new brother or sister. I pictured our trip home with a car load full. I imagined being pregnant around my family and that much closer for you know to family so that they could love and support on me and then this new baby and be around for those early moments that they missed with Miles. I thought about watching Cameron walk Miles down the street while I sniffed the top of my baby's head just trailing behind. And, you know, just like the last, I had all the symptoms that I was used to and what I knew for me. My boobs plumped up. I got bouts of insomnia and, you know, I would like got super bloated. But since I had only been like not pregnant for a few months, my belly immediately looked pregnant. I literally overnight went from no belly to a belly. And this brought so much joy. Like I was already holding it and rubbing it and embracing it. And it made it a lot more real and it gave me this sense of comfort. And, you know, since we were in Florida, things had changed in regards to my options for for birth. And so I, you know, with Miles, we had planned on having a home water birth. And I was really, really excited about having the opportunity to try to make that dream come true this time. And so I began looking for midwifery options and birth center options here in the area in Florida. I did find a midwife. And we set up an appointment. I met with her, really excited, again, feeling really good, feeling really good about her. And and we talked about her coming to the house and the water birth. And I also, though, really wanted to ensure that I explored all my options. So I had set up an appointment with an OBGYN office with a midwife that worked in that so that I could get an understanding of what that level of care would be. 
And of course, I wanted to get an ultrasound, and I knew that that was going to have to be paired probably with my midwifery care a little bit because of because of my experience with Miles and my miscarriage. So I met with her. The next day, I went to the hospital, and I met with a midwife, really liked her, and of course, had expressed that I really wanted to get an ultrasound because of the last miscarriage. There was just some anxieties there. I wanted to make sure that everything was okay. So they did the belly first and nothing. They couldn't see anything. She, of course, didn't say anything, but I could tell. And I started, my heart just started sinking and I started feeling sick. And I had driven to this appointment in Orlando, an hour away from where we live, by myself. So she decided, okay, let's go ahead and do a transvaginal one. We did that and she was really, really quiet and she took some time and finally said, okay, I'm going to go to the doctor and we'll come back. So of course the doctor comes back in and you know what he tells me, he tells me that there's no heartbeat and the baby's measuring a little smaller than what we would like, not too, too much. You know, at this point, I think it seemed like we might've caught it really shortly after the miscarriage process had started. So there was a little bit more hope there, I think, initially talking to him. And we made the same plan, right, that we would come back in a week. We would do another ultrasound. We would take more blood. We would go from there. And he also decided to go ahead and send me off because of my prior history to get some additional blood work just to kind of check on, you know, thyroid and all those other things just to make sure that maybe there wasn't something else going on currently behind the scenes that may have contributed to a potential miscarriage. So I... I just wanted to get out of that hospital so fast. I was like hearing him and I just thought, no, like I'm not going through this all over again. And as much as I wanted to get out of that doctor's office, I was, you know, the the office was just crawling with people and I just, I couldn't bear the thought of walking through while trying to hold myself together. I took a moment, I finally got dressed and I walked the four floors down and, you know, I walked the two minute walk to the garage and I just wanted to run to my car, but I had dressed as happy as I felt walking into that appointment that day. And so I really just wasn't in the shape to do so. And, you know, I got in the car and I just sobbed. I just couldn't believe what he was telling me. And it all felt so familiar and yet so... Such, like such a fresh new pain. And of course I called Cameron and he didn't answer the first time and just bawling my eyes out. And somehow I decided that I should, I was okay. And I would drive because I just wanted to get home. And so I composed myself enough and, and I started home and, you know, really all I wanted to do was just embrace my family. And I just wanted to squeeze miles so hard. Cameron of course called me back and I broke the news to him and you know, he was shattered and, of course, was concerned about me driving. And honestly, I probably really should have pulled over. But I, like I just said, I just wanted to get home. And so we were both really shocked and really heartbroken. And we hung up. He was actually away working, of course. And he had decided that he was going to get his way back home as soon as he could. And so he, he went ahead and called his boss. And I'm so grateful because they didn't even he didn't really even have to ask. So they sent him home and you know, I called my sister on the way after I hung up with Cameron and, you know, she just knows. I don't have to say a word, but my cry told her everything and she always knows the right things to say or not to say and to simply listen. And, she, you know, she gave me some sensible guidance 
and some things to for me just to kind of think through. When I got home, my mom was actually visiting at the time and she was helping Miles and watched him while I left and she greeted me at the door and I think of course knew right away. I spent honestly the rest of the day on the couch with Miles crying and drinking wine and eating. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes this habit of mine is still something that happens when I am just dealing with a lot emotionally. And so anyhow, Cameron got home the next day and you know, I can't really explain this emotion to you. I was angry and I was really confused and I was scared and I was just astounded by the amount of hardship that just hadn't seemed to stop. It was like one thing after another, we would start feeling really good and strong and hopeful and blessed and, and happy. And then all of a sudden something else would hit. And I just thought every time I thought I would hit the end of the road and like we had come out the other end, it, we would just get hit again. And I, you know, and when Cameron was home, it did, those emotions became more of a wave. Like, you know, you go between, you go between feeling really loved and supported because you have your family there, you know, my two favorite people, my husband and my son. And so I was feeling really supported and really comfort comforted. And then a few minutes later, I would get this other wave that would come in and I would just be feel broken and I would just, you know, cry. And this time I looked at myself more, you know, like, what did I do? Like, what should I have done differently? Like, were my workouts too intense? You know, maybe I shouldn't have been working out outside in the heat. You know, maybe it was a few, few glasses of wine that I had on occasion, or maybe the occasional beer. Like, maybe I was more stressed out than I, than I thought I was. And then I was really angry at God. Like, like, what the hell? What are you trying to tell me? Should I not have children? Like, are, should I stop having kids? Do you not want me to procreate anymore? Haven't we been through enough? Can we catch a break? And I was angry at my body. I felt like it had failed me again. And I, you know, was my body not equipped to support this growing baby? And you know what? Didn't I treat it well? Like I took such good care of my body. Like what else am I supposed to do? Why is this happening? We met with the doctor after another ultrasound that ended up going just as you would suspect. And of course, because of COVID, Cameron couldn't come into the appointment with me. But when we got to the room after the ultrasound, he, like right from the beginning, just said, do you have anybody here? Is your husband here? I told him, yes, of course. And he said, I want him to come up here if that's what you and he wants. And so he said, you know, tell them at the front door or whatever that, you know, Dr. Dr. So-and-so told him that he used to come up here. So Cameron gets up to the room and... He sat us both down and checked in on us and went over everything. So this ultrasound that they had done this day not only confirmed my miscarriage, but it also was more of like an exploratory research ultrasound where they were trying to dig for maybe some answers. And so, you know, we confirmed that the miscarriage had had started. There was signs of hemorrhaging. You know, I knew that going into this one, I don't, I, like the hope was gone. I knew better than to to try to look for hope again. You know, so he's reviewing, he's reviewing the ultrasound images and, you know, he does express to us that, you know, I do have, and we knew this with Miles when, after, we, after he was born and they did some digging in my uterus, I do have a bicornate uterus. However, the message I had received from my doctors in Kodiak, I think, Maybe it, I might, or at least I interpreted at the time that 
it was more of like a little bit of a septum. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a full blown bicornet. I, I don't know. Either way, I didn't have, I didn't think that it was, it was truly that bad. And he, the doctor said it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like the worst he's, he's seen. It's like kind of like a heart shaped. And he didn't think that that was the cause, necessarily the cause for the miscarriage, but he wouldn't have completely ruled it out, but I didn't think it was. We went over just my health and everything, and he said, you know, you, I, I want to just think this is it, these are just flukes and that, you know, there's nothing that you did wrong. And that was the next thing he did was he just looked us both in the eyes right into our, <laughs> right into our souls and just said, this is not your fault. You didn't do this. You were not in control of this. It's not your fault. And that felt really good to hear. And I know that Cameron needed to hear it because let me just tell you about this man, guys. He, along with me and asking all these questions of why, why, why is this happening? He did the very same thing. He was Google searching and talking with me about like, maybe I should get tested. Maybe something's wrong with, with me or my sperm or, you know, like God bless him. And of course, that's not the case. At least we can't imagine that it would be. And so what's cool about this doctor is that he doesn't want to wait, doesn't like to wait until for the third, which would technically be a recurrent miscarriage for some additional like investigating or taking some other precautionary measures. He likes to do that at second if the patient is up for it. And so we decided that you know, we we were given the options of how we were going to expel or actually handle moving on now to the the miscarriage, whether I was going to do a DNC again, the pills, or if I just wanted to wait and do it naturally. And of course, opted for the pills again. You know, I knew this. I knew the experience. And, and the same thing, I, I just wanted it to be done and I wanted it to be over. We came up with a plan of trying to save some of the tissue that I expelled so that we could do some genetic chromosomal testing to actually test the fetus itself and find out was there a chromosomal issue and that's why the miscarriage or that's you know that's why the miscarriage miscarriage happened around this time we also made a plan with our doctor to kind of go about things a little bit differently moving forward and trying to have another baby so for one we were just obviously going to monitor right away um, very carefully on my hormonal levels. Um, he wanted to. He wants to be the first to know once we do get pregnant, and most likely, what will happen is we will, you know, probably be checking really carefully, and then also taking some supplemental progesterone just to ensure that the baby's growth is going well and giving my body what it needs if it needs a little extra boost of that. And so, the other thing is. He wanted us to take a full three months or a full three cycles after after the first period of expelling the miscarriage or the medical miscarriage using the pills. Just for my body to restart and have a fresh start, your body goes through a lot of trauma when you have a miscarriage, and I just went through two. And so needed to take some time for my body. You know, we felt pretty good and pretty supported walking away from that appointment. you know, honestly, as much as you can in these times. So then the next day we went and got the pills for me to take. Cameron took a few extra days off so that he could help me out with miles because the last time we did this, it was really awful and I really was pretty useless. And so Cameron also got a few things for me to essentially gather the tissue that was needed in order to do this chromosomal testing. So in order to do this, 
the doctor is telling us that we have to collect tissue. And so, you know, we were trying to brainstorm. We really weren't given any direction at all on exactly how much they needed. They just needed some tissues, what the doctors told told me. And we weren't really sure how to get it out, like how to contain it. So Cameron went and got a brand new, like, wire strainer and – I hope this isn't too much information. A wire strainer and a turkey baster. And so the idea was I could use one or the other or both. And so the next day I took the pills as instructed. And while the symptoms this time around were not as severe, fishing out the tissue, fishing out my yolk sac was gut-wrenching. And Cameron actually had offered to do this part for me. He offered to come in after I went to the bathroom each time to like dig through and I just couldn't let him do it. And I felt like I needed to. And he's just incredible. The fact that he would even be willing to do that. But anyway, I got the yolk sac and I saw the tiny little fetus in there, my baby. And I put it in the container that we bought and I walked into the kitchen and I cleaned everything off and put it in the fridge, put it in a bag and didn't look at it again. And neither did Cameron, but I did find out later that my my mom did. And so of course, the next appointment, I delivered the yolk sack. I asked lots and lots of questions to the doctor. You know, a lot of it was, what can I be doing now? What can I do different? What is our plan? And we went over all that in detail. And, you know, a lot of my concerns were around my body and exercising. And was I doing too much? Was I depleting my energy? And, you know, I'm doing some things different now just to make myself feel a little bit better and just to know that those things hopefully aren't the issue. But he reassured me that those were not the reasons. They were not the causes. I don't know if that's the case. I think that there's probably lots of little things that can contribute to some of this. You know, it takes a lot from your body to grow a baby. And so while not one specific thing was probably at fault for it, I do think that there has been some things that I could have shifted. But, you know, the doc talking to this doctor, there's just not a lot of, I think, support for a lot of that because it's not a medical reason per se. You know, I felt like I needed to do something. And so that's that's when I just started making a little bit of changes. You know, I eat pretty healthily, but I had just definitely decided that I needed to go back to plant-based. I needed to do these things that I knew in times of my life when I was the healthiest and happiest, when I felt the best. I wanted to get back to that. You know, I've decided to go ahead and chill out on my like high intensity work and I'm doing more like bar and yoga and Pilates and just some things that are not so high intensity and aren't leaving me completely just exhausted at the end. And that's how I cope. Like that's how I deal with things is that I just feel like I take control of what I can take control of and I put my energy there. And sure, these things may not make a difference. Like I'm really hoping that those, these were flukes and that we can go on to have another baby, another healthy baby. But in the end for me, if we do end up having another miscarriage, it's like I know that those things weren't it. Like I did those things, you know, I helped myself in these areas. I took care of my body in these areas. I was more careful here. I took more naps. I saved my energy. I was more, you know, intuitive of my body and how I was feeling. And so, you know, I can check that off the list. But, you know, this the second miscarriage was, it was the hardest of the two. I felt so foolish because I had been thinking this whole time, you know, I, I paid my dues, you know, like, did I miss signs? Like, did I miss a symptom diminishing that I just didn't see or didn't feel? 
you know, everyone said the same things to me and I felt like no one really knew how to speak to me and it's not their fault. I know I've said stupid things to, to women and her before too without knowing. In Miles' entire existence, I have never felt so happy and so blessed to have him. You know, but somehow people felt like reminding me of how lucky I was, like like that, so lucky that I even had a child, somehow that felt really hurtful and it was almost like de-justifying, uh, injustifying, I don't know what word's right there. <laughs> like I, like it did, wasn't justified in feeling sad. Like I should feel happy because at least I was able to have a child and I at least had one. Like I wasn't justified in my pain and my loss. And you know, to be honest, I just, I just didn't see it coming. I just didn't see it coming. I didn't think it would happen again. You know, and, and the second time around, I think brings to light potential of other issues. What's the underlying cause here? And will it, will it make it so that I never have another child? Like was, was Miles the exception? You know, am I never going to be able to make Cameron a father of two? Will Miles not be able to be a big brother? I was, I was really scared by those fears and those thoughts and just what is really happening here? What is happening with my body? Why is this happening? I was really scared. I, I am scared. <laughs> you know, can I, can I do this all over again? If it doesn't work, if I can't carry a baby past that like seven week mark, like can I go through this whole thing again? Can I handle any, any more loss? You know, and in August, after I spoke out on Facebook and told my community where I was sitting after like, you know, going silent for eight months, my fears became quiet. You know, and while each miscarriage on their own didn't seem, and I don't think has like a direct answer of why they happened, I do believe that the overall journey of the last two years and my loss and my struggle and my grief through this process, I believe that, I have begun to see, you know, that God has pushed me and challenged me and given me opportunity for growth and for clarity. And and that's why I'm here. You know, it's why I'm sharing my story and, and it's why I'm letting you know that you're not alone. The thoughts and the feelings and the emotions that you have, they're real and they're true and they're okay and they're normal. But, you know, we're, we're in the clear again now and we're trying again and... I am trying to to acknowledge my fears most days. I choose to acknowledge my fears most days. I will try again because I want it that bad. I want a baby that bad. I, I want to grow our family. I know this having a child is just such a incredible, miraculous experience. The highs that you experience right after birth, you know, the opportunity to watch this child grow especially one that you have created as just a, an experience that is just indescribable. And I, I'm so thankful that I've experienced, but man, I want it again. I want it again so bad. You know, it's hard to see families walking around and I know we can all relate to this in some way, shape or form, right? Something that we've not, something that we want so bad and seeing other people have it. I just made a post about this earlier in the week. It's so, it's so tough sometimes. It hurts. It brings the pain back. But at the same time, because I am choosing to acknowledge these emotions and these fears that I have, I feel like I'm also really able to enjoy the joy and the happiness when I see others that have what I want. You know, it's just, it's like you see the possibilities. You know that how good God is. You know, you know the beautiful work that he can do. And 
you know, I am feeling just very trusting and I don't think that I have ever in my life been so trusting in God and in his plan. And I think that this whole journey to Mama Inspired has really put me in that place. I know he's worked his magic in the last few months and I've just never felt so calm and at peace with my fears. I'm living in hope and I know that whatever comes my way that I am capable because of what I have gone through and how I have grown, I am capable of getting through and I'm capable of growing through it. I plan to keep all you guys informed and I realize not everyone might agree with this decision. And if not, that's okay. Maybe this just isn't the place for you. But I I want to share in this journey with you because I feel like it's things that we have to talk about. I want to talk about the hard stuff because you need to hear the hard stuff so that you know what someone's going through and so that you don't feel alone. The beautiful and the hard, you don't want to walk those journeys alone. You want to share those beautiful moments and you want to lean and, and be supported by someone in the hard. And if I can touch, inspire, or comfort, or enlighten somebody through my stories and through my heart and through my vulnerable and through my truth, then I'm here for it. I'll be here (laughs) chatting all day. (sighs) You know, I didn't intend for this to go as long as it had, but, you know, reliving details takes time, and I wanted to choose my words carefully, and I really wanted, you know, you, if you're going through this right now, I want you to know that your loss is a loss and don't devalue your own loss and don't let others do that either. Work through it the way you need to. You're always going to have this spot in your heart that feels like just some, there's just a little bit missing. It's because you've suffered through this and it's okay. It's okay and you will make it through, I promise. And if you can just believe and trust promise that at the end of this, you're going to see miraculous growth and you're going to believe in faith and in the plan. And you're going to share your story with another woman. And she's going to have this sense of calm and peace just from the fact that she knows that she's not alone and that the feelings and emotions she's been having are not isolated. All right, guys. Well, I love you all dearly. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this. I'm honored. And I look forward to hearing from you all. Talk to you soon. Hey, mamas, before you peace out, if what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF, or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast. And be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy, and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire, and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.